Bedlam, NIL, and the transfer portal. Just a few of the topics discussed by Mike Gundy during Big 12 Media Days. I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome into the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And Mike Gundy's time at Big 12 Media Days went exactly how you expected. When you looked at the man who showed up looking like he came straight out of Yellowstone as the new villain of Season 5 with his salt beard and his uh, perfect locks that he was sporting. Had he been wearing a suit, you'd have thought he was the next uh, billionaire trying to buy all of uh, John Dutton's ranch so he could open up a new casino or something. But uh, Gundy, who actually plays the villain role quite well, sometimes even with his own fan base, uh, was had some, had some good in- answers and some interesting answers to some of the questions he got asked at Big 12 Media Days. And, of course, coming off the season that he uh, is coming off of, very disappointing 7-6, and 4-5 and five in conference play. And then you had the tumultuous offseason that the team had where – quarterback transfers out, you've got wide receivers transferring out, a running back that transferred out, you lose your defensive coordinator, hire a new guy, a lot of questions about uh, how how things would go moving forward, what is the offense going to look like, how are these new guys going to look, and uh, even you know the media and a lot of people around the Big 12 don't expect Oklahoma State uh, to, to be very good. Uh, so a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, especially with the four new teams to the Big 12. The fact that this is the last year for OU and Texas being in the Big 12. And my favorite answer from Gundy out of the questions that he was asked during Big 12 Media Day was about Bedlam. And you know how I have been uh, on the podcast uh, outspoken about Bedlam. More on my thoughts about Bedlam after this. But I want to get Gundy's comment about Bedlam right now. We have nine um, conference games scheduled. And then we have, I think through, I don't know, 15 years, we're scheduled all the way up, and we're full for the most part, and we have power five teams. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Oklahoma State's not going to change what you do because Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. They need to change what they do because they're the ones that made their mind up to go to the SEC. So with all the talk from administration and people saying that Oklahoma State needs to do this and that, all Oklahoma had to do was not go to the SEC. So it is what it is. We can cut right to the choice. So for me, um, I want to listen to the board. I'll listen to the president. I'll listen to the AD. If that's something they want to do, I'm good. But I don't think it's going to happen based on the way the scheduling is. And everybody needs to realize it didn't have to happen if they didn't change leagues. So he starts out fairly diplomatic in his response to the question he was asked about keeping the rivalry between OU going once OU leaves to the SEC. But then Gundy comes in and gives the part of the response that I really like where he's like, listen, this isn't an issue if they don't go to the SEC. So why should we go out of our way to make it uh, something that happens when you know, they're changing leagues, and that's the part of the answer that I like because I, I feel like a lot of OU fans have kind of targeted OSU and been like, they're the reasons that we're not going to keep playing uh, this game. And like I said, I have been very outspoken. I hate Bedlam. 
I am never been more excited for a series to disappear in my life than I am for the fact that Bedlam ends November 4th. We play them one more time for football, and then it is done. The, the game of Bedlam does nothing for Oklahoma State. Winning Bedlam doesn't do anything helpful for the program. Losing bed, Bedlam is detrimental, especially when you look at the fans and the fan base. You win Bedlam, and then you're told that you got to win 80-something more to, to be tied with them. Or you lose Bedlam, and then it's the same old, same old. And then as far as the program goes, I mean, that is what a lot of Oklahoma State fans hold on to when talking about Gundy is his bedlam record is so bad, like every other Oklahoma State coach that's ever coached uh, and had to play OU every year. Uh, Newsflash, every Oklahoma State coach has a bad record in bedlam. So for the program, it does nothing. Uh, it, It just promotes the whole little brother thing. And if you want to... Set your own path in the Big 12 without OU and Texas there, then never, never playing Bedlam again or maybe playing Bedlam 50 seasons from now is the only thing that I think is the right path for Oklahoma State. Of course OU wants to continue to play Bedlam. Why wouldn't they? They've been successful. I'm not going to deny that. Of course they they want to continue to play. The Harlem Globetrotters want to continue to play the Washington Generals all the time because they beat them all the time. So I, I'm glad. I like this answer from Gundy. I, I You know, he started out very diplomatic. It was like, well, you know, we've got the, the X many games that we can play and we've already scheduled. And then, But then he comes in hot with the answer, the part of the answer that I like. And, and, and I'm in agreement with him. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't ever want to see Bedlam again. I'll be happy if, if we never have to play the game again after this year. And I really hope that we can go out with one last victory. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but I would love to see that happen uh, as as we kind of move forward. So loved his his bedlam response. Uh, some of the other things that he talked about: uh, Oklahoma State was picked seventh in the um, preseason media poll, uh, seventh uh, to, to finish seventh. They got one first plate vote. Not sure where that came from, uh, but they were picked seventh. And, and here's here's Gunny's reaction to to that. No idea. Um, I don't know how they pick it anymore. I've never paid attention. I'm just glad we get to play all the games. Um, I don't even know who they put the six in front of us, but I'm all for it. Uh, Hopefully we get ready in September and play good football. Well, Coach, I do know the six teams that they put in front of Oklahoma State. Number one, Texas. Number two, K-State. Number three, OU. Four, Texas Tech. Five, TCU. Six, Baylor. And a pretty wide margin between TCU and Baylor, 727 to 572. And then Baylor to Oklahoma State, 572 to 470. And then pretty close in the next two teams. After that, Oklahoma State at 7, UCF with 463, KU with 461, then Iowa State, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. So none of the new Big 12 teams in the top half, which would be 7 and up, and three of the last four, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati. So uh, I think 7 is close to right for Oklahoma State. I think maybe they should be a little bit higher. 
Um, but I'm I'm not too off with with the Cowboys, and I don't know who gave them the the one first place vote. I don't hate it because certainly they could win the Big Twelve. I don't think it's uh, by far and away any team favorite to win the Big Twelve. Uh, I think it's a very deep league, and I wouldn't be surprised if BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, West Virginia have better seasons than most expect them. I mean, look at Kansas last year, who was uh, very surprising. I do feel like nine is way too low for the Jayhawks. Uh, and I don't know, do I buy Gundy uh, saying that he, he didn't know the six teams in front of him? No. Do I think that he doesn't pay attention? No. I think he does. But Gundy's you know too cool for the media. He's always been that way. So, of course, he's not going to own up to watching uh, or paying attention to any of those media rankings or, or Big 12 rankings. And, and uh, you know, th- does he care? I don't think he does. Um, but I still think he pays attention to them. Um, of course, he doesn't care because, you know, I don't know if there's a coach out there that hates the media like Mike Gundy hates the media or, or dislikes. Maybe hates too strong of a word, but definitely not a fan of the media. And so, uh, yeah, no, I, I think he knew. Uh, I think he thinks it's too low. I think Oklahoma State can perform much better than that, uh, especially with some of the players that, that they've added this season, but they did lose a lot. Gundy did talk about his feelings when it comes to NILs and the transfer portal. I attribute to the times. Um, we can look across the country in the portal. we got players that are playing on national championship teams that are leaving and going to other schools. We have players that are leaving after one year, players that are leaving after five years. And for a while there, I thought it was interesting, you know, but I'm, I'm almost considering the NIL and the portal like religion and politics where it's not even worth discussing because we don't necessarily have a rhyme or reason for what's happening. But um, we're very excited about the players that we brought in and I guess, you know, you you have 10 or 12 go out, you bring 10 or 12 in and, and you get your roster set and try to have good spring ball, good summer, and get ready to play in September. Now, I like what the NIL and the transfer portal have done for college athletics. I do think there needs to be some type of critique done to it um, where you change some way up where it's not as easy as it is to transfer and maybe some of the NIL not weigh so heavily uh, influencing players on on how they move or where they move. Um, But I do think it adds an interesting element and uh, teams just have to be proactive about replacing the talent that they lost because every time a player transfers in a place, another player is going to come into that spot to, to fill the void, kind of like every time one door uh, closes, another opens, or whatever the saying is. But Oklahoma State did a decent job in replacing the talent that they lost. Maybe could have been better at the uh, wide receiver position, the skill position, but I still do like what Shribling brings to uh, the program. Brennan Presley returns. Uh, looking forward to seeing what Alan Bowman does. Spencer Sanders was a massive disappointment the majority of the time at Oklahoma State. 2021 was very good. 2022 was not so good for Spencer Sanders. Injuries was a big issue. He is wildly inconsistent and uh, rumors are that he's the third string at Ole Miss. So if that doesn't say a lot uh, about Sanders um, and and what he kind of can do or has done. But Bowman, an interesting guy, again, did not do a lot at Michigan. I am excited to see what he can bring 
partnered with Mike Gundy and a veteran quarterback. Uh, so when you add him with what they have already, if they can fine-tune the offensive line and get the run game going, they're going to be in a good spot. A lot of question marks when it comes to the defense, especially with a new defensive coordinator, but when you look at the offense as a whole with Bowman, who I believe is a gunslinger, can get the ball down the field, can have those big plays to go along with the the guys that they have offensively, and then if they can figure out a way to have a consistent run game. That was one of the big issues. Last year, there was no one that they could really lean on in in the run game. Uh, Ollie Gordon kind of came on late. Then they added the transfer from Michigan State. And if they can figure out their offensive line issues, the offense is going to be much improved. When you look at the Cowboys uh, last year, they were ninth in the Big 12 in rushing offense, averaging 125.6 yards per game. They're a team that wants to throw the ball, but they want to be balanced. Mike Gundy wants to be balanced. Uh, the 125.6, a drop-off from their successful season of 185 yards per game in 2021. So the run game has to get better, uh, and Mike Gundy knows that. Gundy said last season we played with ex- inexperienced quarterbacks the latter part of the season, and our inability to run the football put the game on their shoulders. He says he wasn't comfortable with that. So... It is a little bit different with Bowman, but you're going to want to get that run game going if you're going to want to see any success when it comes to to this year's Big 12. Looking at Oklahoma State's schedule, it is one of the easier ones in the Big 12. There is a lot of question marks revolving around what the defense is going to do under the new defensive coordinator. What is the offense going to look like with all the changes there? But with as easy as it is, I just seven just seems too low for me. I think this team can be a top four team in the Big 12. Looking at the media rankings, Texas is so overhyped. the, The fact that we continue to fall into the Texas trap year after year just blows my mind. I know that they have some fun, flashy talent with Quinn Ewers. They added Arch Manning. Who's going to be the quarterback? It's probably going to be Ewers. A lot of people have Ewers as a favorite to be the best player in the Big 12. Uh, People have an OU resurgence. I was not excited about what I saw from Dylan Gabriel last year to think that OU offense under Venables, a defensive-minded coach, is going to be good enough to compete in the Big 12, especially after what they did last season. I know they return a lot. K-State, to me, is the best team in the Big 12. And KU if they can keep a healthy quarterback, is the second best team in the Big 12. And I know that's odd to say, and a lot of people don't want to buy into that. Clearly, with KU all the way down at 9 in the Big 12 football preseason media rankings, Texas Tech is an interesting one. I have to see it from them to believe it. TCU and Baylor have been good for for a while. Baylor has certainly the coaching chops to be good, and same with TCU, uh, the defending I was going to say the defending Big 12 champs, but they lost that to to K-State. But they did make it to the Final Four. Uh, K-State, though, in my opinion, is the best team in the Big 12. Texas and OU, I think, are way too highly ranked in the media ranking for the Big 12 preseason polls. Way too highly ranked. Texas is going to disappoint just like they have uh, in the past since Mac Brown left. And I just don't see OU being top three in the Big 12. So... 
UCF is the team that's going to surprise out of the, the new teams that I think has the chance to be the, the best of, of the four newcomers. But I, I think it's going to be a lot different, and Oklahoma State seems to thrive when they're overlooked, and I think they're being overlooked right now with the, the seventh-place prediction for the um, preseason preseason polls. But the, the Texas bias just it, it blows my mind that we continue to be fooled by Texas. They're not back. They're not going to be back. I I just I don't see it. Sark's not a good coach. I think they're going to underperform again this year. Uh, Ewers showed moments, but he also didn't look good in other moments. I don't like Dylan Gabriel. Uh, K-State has the best quarterback in the conference. That is certainly going to help them because that is what this is about. Um, so when it comes to the new look Big 12, I think Oklahoma State maybe four or five. I think K-State is one. I have Kansas at two. I Jalen Daniels is the second best quarterback in the conference, might be the best quarterback in the conference, could be a Heisman Trophy candidate. So that is, that is the step one of being successful in the Big 12, having a good quarterback, having a great quarterback. K-State and KU have that. Having high-powered offense is another step of being great in the Big 12. UCS, UCF has that. Gus Malzahn, uh, who was successful in the SEC, is going to find success in in the Big 12. And then once OU and Texas are gone, and I just don't see... That's the other thing. I don't see the rest of the Big 12 allowing Texas and OU to have successful seasons in their final season. Most of the teams in the conference, a little upset of, of what went down, uh, good riddance to Texas and OU, have fun losing to Bama and Georgia and the rest of the SEC uh, that you have to play in the future. So I don't think the rest of the Big 12 is going to allow that to happen, which is why I think K-State, KU, TCU, Tech then Oklahoma State as your top five with Texas and OU rounding out the middle there. And then with the possibility of Baylor, UCF being more of the surprises with a chance to be in the top five of the Big 12. I do think the conference championships wide open. I think it's going to be uh, a year where Big 12 teams beat each other up. And so no one is going to make the final four because I think you're going to have two and three lost teams at the top of the Big 12. And so you're going to get left out because of that, just because they're going to beat themselves up so badly. And then that's going to hurt them when it comes to to having a chance at the Final Four. The interesting question going forward without OU in Texas is, does a one-loss Big 12 team get in over a undefeated Pac-12 team or an undefeated AAC team uh, with without those two mainstays, I think the Big 12 is fine after uh, those two teams leave. Uh, I'm excited for those two teams to leave. I think they're uh, a weight on the Big 12 that's going to feel nice to get rid of. You know, cut a little, trim the fat, so to speak, especially with the way Texas has been. And uh, I'm, you know, excited never to play OU again. So, interesting Big 12 media days from Mike Gundy. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the summer looks like. Um, but but I'm excited for what we're going to see from Oklahoma State with all the changes. Uh, essentially a new look offense, new look defense. Um, some of the same play callers, some of the same pieces, but a lot of the key elements have changed. I'm Matt Jordan. Thanks for listening to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network.